Don't be an idiot. Changed my life. Expecting the minimum, the minimum, the minimum. That's a formula I can live by. Don't be an idiot. Get up and do better. Two imperfect pastors trying to figure it out. Speaking of don't be an idiot. I don't think this is fair. And being imperfect. Jake provided a perfect illustration. A great story to share to begin today's episode of Don't Be an Idiot. Welcome to Don't Be an Idiot idiot, uh, from the number one idiot in the podcast. uh, The man, the myth, the legend, Jake, the number one idiot. This is great. Uh, Yeah, I just, we literally had 10 minutes of conversation with you guys that you'll never hear. Never, ever hear. There's one big red button that I didn't push the record button. It is a giant red button. But we're here now, Caleb. We are here now. And actually, so... I've been contemplating something dangerous and, and not how much of an idiot we are. It was actually, what do we call the fans of don't be an idiot? Well, you've been on to me because episode yeah, yeah. three, <laughs> you called everybody that listens an idiot. And the whole point is to don't be an idiot. Yeah. So we can't, can't call you that. Um, I thought it, idiots, uh, you know, the tribe of idiot fans, <laughs> the idiots, I um, thought maybe uh, the idioms would be fun. No, I like that movie. See, what's happening idioms. here is Caleb has been following Taylor Swift uh, <laughs> yeah, very closely. Yeah, her, her tour. <laughs> her tour, uh, her worldwide I, tour that's been selling. He has been trying, he was out there scalping tickets and couldn't get mm, any. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Swifty. They're like three grand or something. <laughs> he's a Swifty. So he was like, oh, if Taylor Swift has names for her fans, then Jake and Caleb need to as well. Absolutely. So welcome, idioms. Yeah, because we are basically the same as Taylor Swift. Uh, worldwide, baby. Worldwide. We're at least nationwide. We're in New York now. We have one listener in New York. <laughs> so congratulations. And now it's Caleb's family, but we're taking what we can get. Yep. So we are now in Lynn County, Bourbon yep. County, New York. <laughs> Those are the three places we're in. I know we're also in West Michigan. Family. My family. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad I got family lots of places. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Uh, so, so shout out to the Richardson clan. Yeah, we're uh, <laughs> we're here for another conversation of don't be an yeah, idiot. Yeah, this is great. This is uh, going to be airing in the middle of the summer. Uh, you just got back from and are actually probably by the time this airs uh, going to be going to another camp. You came from team camp where you're the, 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 the chief dog, the chief uh, dog. <laughs> at kids. Camp. You're not allowed to name anything, Caleb. <laughs> That's what we're, we just decided. Yeah. As uh idiots, a chief dog <laughs> yes. have flopped. Uh, so, but anyway, uh, camp, we had a podcast already go out about the role of camp in spiritual formation. Uh, but one of the other very specific uh, spiritual aspects uh, that camp is uh, this moment, maybe that that we talk about that's so key in everyone's spiritual formation. Uh, what is get, it? Get your finger off the button. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's salvation. Oh wait, church word. That's you our have church to word define. Button. You have to find define the church word. Uh, well, so salvation would be that moment uh, when you acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord and Master of your life. Come on. And your own inability to be in a right standing before God, meaning you have sinned, you have violated your uh, commission from God to be God's image and likeness here on earth. And you have violated that. You have rebelled against that commission. And in doing so, you've earned sin and death and judgment. For the wages of sin is death. death. And then you've turned to Jesus and said, I have no ability to live that life, but you did. And you believe that 
in his life and in his death on the cross. He, he took your place. And then he rose from the dead and now invites you to participate in new life with him. And so when we say salvation, we mean that process and or moment when you've come to believe that, uh, believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, is the way Romans puts it. So uh, salvation at camp uh, is, is one of these uh, key moments. One of the things you often get asked is, hey, how many people got saved at camp? And yeah, it's a marker. It's a marker for, I mean, it's a success marker. Like mm. as a church, we exist to see people come to know Jesus. Yeah. Right? We're connecting people with God and others is our tagline. And yep. a lot of that is like we want to see people come to know Jesus to be saved. To Yeah, to acknowledge Jesus as Lord. That's the whole So point. we had nine salvations this year at camp. Praise God. Like, I mean, I wish I had a clapping button. I don't, you know, a cheering button. But that's We need to add that. It was super, super, it was a great week. It was a great week into seeing all these kids. But so, there's tension. Okay, that's what I was just going to ask. So what? why is this a conversation that we should have? What's the tension that you feel in telling others that yeah. there was nine salvations? Well, one, I don't know the hearts of other people. I can do everything God has called me to do. I can be obedient as a pastor, as a follower of Jesus, as a dad, as a friend, to share the gospel and to lead people in what this means. And yet still, we don't really know. I mean, the Bible says there's there's things, there's evidences mm. of salvation, right? But it, yeah, yeah. I mean, that verse that I just quoted, believe in your heart. And yeah. we don't have the ability to see into other people's no. hearts. So the best we can do is look at the external evidence. Um, but in this, what are some of the markers that you're looking for? Yeah. Uh, so you can even begin to say that. Look, what are you looking for when you're talking to kids? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, just if you've ever been to church camp, I think church camp, at least in our context, is pretty, there's some normal things that happen. And one of those normal things that happen is, at the end of these services, kids, people, adults move down to the front. And what's that called as in church? It's like an altar call, as a sign of a, like as a sign of like, hey, I want something to happen. I want to begin this conversation. And so, for me and for the leaders that I take, uh, because of some things that have happened to me, and I'll share in a second, like we stand at the back of the room waiting for those kids to come back, so I can have some of those conversations. Hmm. Uh, and even as you were saying, I think there are some key moments here, some key flags that need to be raised for me to be like, yeah, this person is understanding. One, they need to know that they're broken and fallen mm. and in need of a savior. Yeah. Two, they need to believe that Jesus is who he says he is. Mm. And finally, they need to have this heart of, I'm trying to follow of obedience of the Lord. Like, it's not just believing. It's mm -hmm. not just knowing you're broken, but it's also saying, Confessing. I want the Lord to be the boss, is how I tell kids of my life, to be the Lord of my life. I want him to be driving in the driver's seat of my life. Yeah, the, the word Lord uh, is oh. not a word we use. Yeah. Church the, word. Exactly. Yeah. It's yeah. not a word we use. So what does Lord mean? Uh, how do you begin to explain that? You say boss. Uh, and, and it does okay. Yeah. Boss does okay. But but Lord, so anyone's going to think medieval terms when we say it, first of all. Yes, it's I am be, in my castle. So a, a Lord is someone who's going to be the person over you, who legitimately has dominion over you. Like if... People are under Dominion. my lordship. Yeah, that's not. I'm not beeping myself <laughs> uh, under my lordship. I have total. I mean, control is not the wrong word to say, right. right? Like they they have the 
it's kind of like my dog. Like mm. I, everything that happens to that dog is by my choice and right. what I get to say. You know what I mean? It is by my, my will. And so when you say, I want someone to be the Lord of my life, you're giving your freedom. Yeah. I mean, legitimately, I'm, saying, I'm giving this to you. Yeah. This is a really hard thing. Yeah. Uh, I, I use the word boss, but then I, I amplify it by saying master mm, good. and then good. owner. Owner, like, owner. Because good. that's... Yeah, mm-hmm. own, owner might be better. Ah, it's so heavy. Like, yeah. like, hey, you're, <laughs> you, you're willingly becoming a slave. Uh, that's is, how they said in the Bible. Do yeah. loss. I've got it written on my, my wrist. Mm-hmm. Do loss. You, do. you know what I mean? Uh, bond servant. So, and I, I have some of these tensions. And Caleb, yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a story because your story is very I say very different. It's less anxiety ridden <laughs> than mine. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, I have a date written in my Bible. Mm-hmm. Where I remember it was a Sunday night after church. Um, we were praying, and I was praying with my parents uh, at bedtime. And um, I knew I was a sinner. I, I was three, four years old. It was uh, June 16th, 1991, I believe. And um, I knew I was a sinner. <laughs> I knew that sin demanded punishment Mm. and I knew that that punishment was hell. Now I didn't fully understand what hell was. I knew it was absence from God and I knew it was a place I didn't want to be. I knew that much. There was fear. There there was some fear there, right? Like that's not not where I want to go. I I don't want that. Um, And so I knew that I, the only way I had to go to heaven to be made right before God was to believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose again. And so I prayed that. I believe that. I said, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Uh, obviously, I don't remember exactly what I said, but something yeah. along the lines of, God, I'm sorry for my sin. Please forgive me. Uh, I want to go to heaven and be with you. So, uh, a three, four-year-old's prayer. Very simple. Um, Can I be honest? Yeah. That makes me super uncomfortable. That's hard for me. Yeah. Why is that? Because... Maybe I'm just, I'm projecting me onto you. Uh, that's exactly what it is. Uh, but I don't know. I, I struggle to think a four-year-old can fully understand. Now, we've had this conversation before, and you've always said to mm. me, like, in their mind, they do. Right. You know what I mean? Uh, and what I want to be careful of is I never want to limit the work of Jesus. What do you mean by that? I, I don't want to say that Jesus can't do this. Mm. But for me, my story is very different. Where yours is a moment where you have a yep. date in your Bible, kind of almost like Damascus Road. Moment, yeah, yeah. Like oh, they have, very clear, right? Yeah. Mine seems to be, I've got I've got a couple that I could pick from. Yeah, okay. Um, so, one, there's one negative one where at VBS, uh, a pastor scared me. And he was like, hell, you, you need, if you don't go to heaven, or if you don't pray this right now, you're going to hell. Hell's a scary place, fire, all of that. Very Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I went up forward out of no desire of my heart to know and to be with Jesus. Mm-hmm. It was purely... I don't want to burn in hell. Mm. That's a scary thing. Mm-hmm. Got baptized, went quite a few years thinking. Yeah, how old were you at that? And I would have been ba- five or six. Baptized at what uh, age then? I think six okay. uh, for the first time. Oh, well. At 12 years old, I had a big conversation with my dad after I don't, we were watching a movie. I, I was toiling. You know, you, you know, junior high kids are known. You talk about this a lot. Uh, the, uh, many philosophers, they begin to ask this, these big questions mm-hmm. of life and they're thinking deep thoughts. So if you've got middle school age kids, and by that I mean fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, you know, even into ninth grade, they're 
really wrestling with really big questions. So they ask the best questions at church. They I, I really re- do because they don't have the fear of, uh, oh, I don't know this. They're still in a mode of like, I yeah, I know that I don't know things. Yeah. You know I mean? In high, once they get into high school, they start thinking they know things, and it becomes uncool. Yes. To, to to look like you don't know it. Yeah. So anyway, anyway so. I, I'm I'm in this moment where I'm I'm starting to con- consider and contemplate bigger, deep things in eternity. Was one of those things, and my dad mm. noticing the tension in my life began to kind of speak some of those like, "Hey, like this is what the Bible says. This is mm. you know a big one for me, and I and I still do this with kids." He laid out like, "What's a wage for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift mm. of God is eternal life." What's a wage? Oh, I don't know what a wage is. What's a paycheck? Mm-hmm. What do you get a paycheck for? For the work that you did. Mm. It's what you deserve, right? Mm-hmm. If if I go and and mow a lawn, mm-hmm. I have earned and deserve mm-hmm. the wage. Mm-hmm. Well, what we... It's not a gift anymore. No, it's not a gift. Mm-hmm. Well, what I earned was death for, for my for my work <laughs> on the earth, right? Mm-hmm. Because all of our fallenness. Uh, but the free well, gift... Yeah, explain that, because that's a Bible yeah, term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, a Bible term. Mm-hmm. Here, here, beep it. Beep it. Um, Genesis 2, tell, or Genesis 3 tells us that, you know, the world was perfect before Adam and Eve sinned for the first time, taking the fruit from the tree, wanting mm-hmm. to be, in fact, God. Mm-hmm. Satan tempts him, like, hey, did God really say this? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to be? He's trying to hold good things from you. And since then, all of our hearts are fallen and broken. There is none of us that can earn our way into heaven. Mm-hmm. Like, even if we were to put a scale up, as some religions believe, like, as long as my good outweighs my bad, none of us, our good will outweigh our bad. Like, mm-hmm. we have no chance. You know, we are broken, fallen. The Bible d- describes this as deaf, dumb, and blind. <laughs> I've heard Caleb say that a bunch of times. Like, deaf, dumb, and blind. Like, it has no nice words. <laughs> call back. Uh, call back. Um, no nice words to describe us. And so, no. I remember in laying in my bed, after a conversation with my dad, mm. having a conversation with Jesus, like, I, I want to be yours. Mm. And so, when people ask me, like, that was the moment. Because I think there is a moment of salvation mm. where your heart goes from death to life. Mm. I, I live longer, you know, live, longer, live this really <laughs> long life. But then about uh, 17 years old mm. at Falls Creek, walking mm. down, I had another moment. I, I can be honest with you, I don't know which one of these I could say that's for sure my salvation. Mm. Um, I know how I counsel kids now. Yeah. Uh, and I got rebaptized at 18. Okay. Uh, because I was like, I, I want this to be on the right side of my salvation, right mm. side of my salvation. So now kind of fast forward all these years. Yeah. I see this tension that I feel in a lot of kids. If I'm honest, what you experienced is the mm-hmm. minority of what I see in people. Yeah. Of this see. for sure. Like, no, this happened. Yeah. And it actually unnerves me <laughs> when people are like, no, 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 that happened. And I'm like, oh, how can you be sure? <laughs> I mean, you're four years old. So does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. So I guess some of the tension. That, uh, so then what are the key words, key things that you're looking for uh, out of your high schooler? For, yeah. G- given your own your own story of like, hey, that wasn't that yeah. wasn't quite it. Maybe, maybe not quite that one. What, what? So what are the, the markers that leave you walking away with any level of confidence about anyone's I want salvation? them to have confidence. Yes. And I want, you know what I mean? Uh, I use this phrase, plant, planting the flag. I want to plant flags in moments that God has done something in my life. Uh, yeah, and so, and, and what I mean by that is like, I want to point back to the evidence that God has done work in my life that he only would do in a, in a, in a follower's life. Does that make sense? I want to point like clearly God, the Holy Spirit's working in my life. I'm planting a flag here. You keep using that phrase. And all I think of is Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I knew you were smiling planting about Planting the flag. Uh, shout out to Joe Perkins. I know. Terrible. Ohio, you, you should be the biggest fan of Baker Mayfield because you don't like Ohio State uh, either. Michigan did it last year. 
Yeah, it makes they sense. They planted the flag in a turf field, so it didn't actually go anywhere. <laughs> don't, don't give Joe any. But, the, but what, what, what was it? Just tell that story because this is a football field, right? Yeah. A football game. And it's, but it's a really good image for what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, because a big, two big time schools, big a, time important, schools. important games. Just to uh, clarify who we're talking about Ohio State and OU. Um, so in Oklahoma University, University. Yeah, where I grew up, and I'm a big fan. Uh, the quarterback, who's, who was a big fan as well, like they win a game, he's celebrating, he grabs the OU flag, runs mm. to the opposing field, like they're on the Ohio State's field, yeah, where the logo is, and he plants a flag. Plants, right on he, midfield. He puts a flag in the midfield. What is he doing there? He's doing the same thing Neil Armstrong did on the moon. <laughs> this is now ours. You know what I mean? Uh, there's some arrogance there. Yeah. There's some. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's it's... some confidence. Uh, but so I tell my teenagers like, hey, we're going to plant a flag here. Because a lot of them come to me like, hey, you know, I, I prayed this prayer when I was nine at All Stars. And I'm like, we're going to trust God that he's doing the work in your life. And that right there, he saved you. And yeah. he can save you. That's claiming it. That's saying, this is mine. Yes. I own this. Yes. This, I, plant this is a my flag. field. This is my yes. life. This is my moment. Yeah. This that Jesus took me from death to life. Yeah. And we should celebrate it. We should scream that into the face of darkness. Like, mm. I'm no longer, uh, one of my favorite songs, I'm no longer a slave mm. to death and destruction and darkness, mm. but, I, but I'm the Lord's. So, for just aside, that's one of the things my dad did for me at that age. The Bible that I had. I love that he wrote it down. And immediately wrote it down. So anytime I ever doubted, and I don't know that I really ever did, but I just flipped open my Bible and was like, oh, hey, right there is the date. I know when I did that. I remember when I did that. I, I still have, I don't have a ton of memories from when I was that age. Like, I, I barely remember what I did yesterday. Uh, but I very distinctly remember that moment. I think partially because I revisited that yeah. memory during most of my childhood. So that's... Your dad uh, made it a high point. He planted it. He planted a flag for it. He planted the flag for me. So for, for parents, I guess that's one of the things to do is to celebrate, have them talk about it, and then talk back about it. Uh, but still, like, as they're beginning, so, so uh, camp experience, right? They, the speaker speaks, gives this uh, emotional appeal. Oh, the band comes up, and they're playing music, and, and everything's there, and they go down front and say, yes, that's what I want. And then they come back and talk to you. What do you look, what, what are the cues that they say. So the, the, the negative stereotype here is that we are emotionally manipulating them with music, lack of sleep, and a powerful word to walk forward. And lights. And, and light, all, all of it. And One, I don't want to look at the life through super critical eyes. Like that's, that's a, not a good way to live no, life. No, I contend towards that. Yeah, and that's I, not, not good. I don't careful. need to be analyzing everything. Yeah. Uh, and two, I'm going to trust God that he's going to use broken people mm. uh, in, in the story of in the lives of other people. But here's what I'm, they're come forward. The first thing I tell them, like, I, I want, I don't explain it to them. Tell me what happened. That's perfect. I want to hear from you. Mm. And, and you, you, Caleb, if it's you, you might say, I got saved tonight. Praise God. This awesome. is a good, tell me what that means. Mm. And then I'm looking for the things that you talked about. Did they say they're broken, belief, mm. confession, and I'm celebrating with them. If there's murkiness in the water, I feel. Meaning it, in their explanation. In their explanation. To you. Yeah. I feel weight to preach the gospel again to them mm. and try to... Oh, bummer. I have to proclaim the gospel <laughs> Exactly, again. yeah. But it's like, okay, we're not going to let this moment pass. Because I, I do think that the, yeah. Holy, the Holy Spirit and God is, in Scripture, they create moments mm -hmm. to where we're primed to be entering into these things. We've both re read a book uh, called The Power of Moments. Oh, and, it's a good uh, book. Recommend that one too. Yeah, you. highly recommend that. And we should talk about that at some other time. But 
that don't miss those key moments. Uh, what are, I have, uh, I'll just, share. yeah, yeah, sure. The, the, the typical murkiness that I hear, and this is predominantly been at kids camp, uh, as I've gone to kids camp dozens of times now. 30 times. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is. Yeah. I guess dozens wouldn't have, whatever. But almost always the tension, the murkiness is that it is still workspace salvation. Oh, yes. Almost every time. Oh, oh, you got saved. Yes. What does that mean? Well, it means I'm going to start going to church. I'm going to be a good person. I'm going to start reading my Bible more. I'm going to, and it's something that they're doing. And that's like, mm, that, nope. The whole point is that you can't do it. You can't save yourself. Uh, what, what are, is there any other like typical, like, hey, this is a For murky thing? Teenagers? Yeah. Uh, I feel so good. I feel like everything's changed. That, feelings. It's all feelings. And for teenagers specifically, when they're, we talk about this in church and in the office, uh, their feelers develop faster than their thinkers. That's for Mm -hmm. every person. Mm -hmm. Like our feeler Mm -hmm. develops faster. Like the parts in our brain that Mm -hmm. feel heavy. This is why teenagers, we all think are insane. Um, But also like that that can be valuable. And, And I told them this time, like salvation is not based on a feeling. It's based on the work of Jesus on the cross and the gospel. Almost in spite of your feelings. Does it feel good, Caleb? Oh yeah, the, yeah. The, the it's release. a mountaintop moment. It's yeah, I mean, uh, reading a book right now with my kids uh, called the uh, Little uh, Little Christian, and it's a, a retelling of uh, John Bunyan's allegorical tale uh, called Pilgrim's Progress. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this story, uh, the pilgrim named Christian is traveling with a heavy burden on his back. Mm. And at the moment of salvation, when he kneels at the cross and says, Jesus, I, I need you, his burden literally falls off him. Yeah. And, and that's a great image of what salvation looks like. But he, here's the thing. This is why, uh, for me speaking with kids, it's such a big deal. Because they're not getting released from a burden. They're adding more burden on. They're saying, oh, now I'm going to go and do this. Oh, I got saved, so that means I am doing this. That's... Not Literally it. the opposite. Yeah. It's this release. And so there should be good feelings associated with that moment of salvation. Because you're realizing I am no longer the boss of my own life. I no longer have to carry this burden of being good enough. For but God. if we're going to rely on our feelings for our relationship with Jesus, mm. how quick is that going to tank? No, I think Jesus gives a, a, a bunch of parables about it, but the parable of the soils is all about that. In fact, I'm beginning to uh, feel some tension there is, is maybe all of those are actually describing Christians. Ooh, I like it. I've always, yeah, that's good. I, I don't know. Like I, I, last time I talked to that, I was like, okay, so quick, just I'll retell the parable. Jesus tells the parable. Uh, it's called the parable of the sower. It should be called the parable of the four soils uh, because really the soils are different human hearts. And the first one, it falls on the path and uh, talks about Satan coming and taking the word of God away. Uh, so that one I would actually say is not hard, 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 hard. doesn't, yep. doesn't yeah. So, so that one is clear representation of someone who does not get saved. The, the seed never even sprouts, that, which is the word of God. Jesus explains the parable and the, the seed is the word of God. The second soil is the parable is the, the one that falls on rocky ground and it's the emotional heart. It springs up immediately. But has, then, but has no depth. But has no depth, yeah. and the sun comes and it wilts and dies. Now, 
this is where the tension comes in. But it sprouted. It rooted. Yeah. It sprouted. It rooted. It grew. So can the word of God actually take hold of your heart and begin to show signs of life and then die? And then were you ever saved? Ah, we can get into that. Uh, the next one uh, is the distracted heart. It's, it's thrown in, in the soil, but it's with the weeds. Mm. And so it, again, sprouts, roots, grows. But then the cares of this world, the distractions of this life, choke it out and kill it. And then the fourth one is the seed that falls on good soil, which reproduces 30, 60, 100 fold as often. And that's the good soil. I feel like you just described stages of my life. Mm. <laughs> like I've been every soil. You've been? I've been every soil. That's interesting. Yeah. So now parables are told it's supposed to be chewed on. Yeah. That, that's what a parable is. You're <laughs> supposed to come back and come back and come back. That's why Jesus taught it them. So, so that, well, that parable brings me to attention here that as, as we're talking about this, this conversation, specifically as we're leading others, yeah. as, we're, as we're leading people and, and kids and teenagers, uh, is uh, just statistically, they're the most likely to come to, to the moment of salvation. It's something like 80, 90% yeah. of salvations take place before. Uh, this is why youth ministry is the most important ministry. <laughs> I've been saying it for years, Caleb. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. Uh, it's a huge percent, but uh, percentage of people that yeah, uh, if they don't make that choice by that age, the percentage just percentage chance yeah drops incredibly. But here's the, the one of the tensions then uh, in this conversation is what's and this parable highlights it eternal security versus a false sense of security. Mm. And that, that's honestly the tension I'm talking about, like. So how do we, yeah. what are some guidelines, I guess, maybe we're not going to resolve this issue, but well, what are some... Can I shift it a little bit sure. um, from teenagers and people we're over? Because there's, I mean, while there's going to be people going to camp with us and there's going to be people mm-hmm. in youth group, I, I want to talk about parenting a little bit too, for okay. both dads, because I think the same tension exists in the security or the confidence I have in my kid's salvation. There's more fear in it, right? Uh, Explain that a little here's, bit. Like, I, I, I can confidently say I've never prayed for anything as hard and as fervently mm. as I have for the salvation of my kids. And it's something early on, Caleb, and I had yeah. conversations about, I called people about, like, how do, I mean, a question I might have for you, Caleb, is like, how do we know when our ki- mm. kids are ready? Is it four? Mm. Is it 14? For my kids, it was a lot of conversations. They're both, mm. have professed Jesus. I, I'm confident in, mm-hmm. in, in what happened. But, but this tension is existing as parents. Like, how, mm. as parents, do we move forward mm. preaching the gospel to our kids? Mm. Uh, and, and if they're acting like fools because they're mm. children, how do we know? Yeah, that's, that's a great tension. Uh, so a co- couple of things that help me, I guess. Uh, one is just looking for those markers. Can they clearly articulate mm-hmm. the gospel? Like, I had one child who uh, could articulate it super young. I had another child who... Uh, oh, tell the story. It's such a good much, story. Much, much slower yeah. at articulating it. Uh, but then, so we're re-talking about that Jesus' boss type thing. Yeah, which and, kids understand. Which kids get it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was uh, six, six at the time. And um, so we're talking about that. And he looks at me and he's like, I don't want him to be boss of my life. 
Jude the dude, man. I love him. Just straight up. Like, Honest. It's exactly right. Like just that level of, no, I want to be boss in my yeah. life. I'm not letting another person be in charge of me. And I'm just going to stand up for the middle kid too here who all the older <laughs> siblings are the boss. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah. He has Ariel boss. <laughs> yeah. He's got mom and dad bossing him around. He's got teachers bossing around. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm not. Gonna I, all I have is my heart, dad. I'm not giving it up. Yeah. Three months later, oh, man. he comes and says, no, I'm, I'm ready for that. Ah, I'm obviously I'm gonna start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm start crying. But like, and my youngest isn't hasn't been there yet. He, he's just not, he's not there yet. Uh, now, like, is there anxiety there? Is there fear for you? Like, well, so this is this is the other side of that. So looking for looking for them to be able to clearly articulate yeah. the gospel, and I make them explain it in like 17 different ways, like just using different words, different talking about it. Of course it. you do. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah it. exactly. An Excel sheet, a PowerPoint, an Excel sheet. <laughs> yeah, this is draw diagrams. Yeah, like, yeah. Oh, it's great. But uh, the other thing is realizing that just because the first two have accepted don't mean I, doesn't mean I have stopped talking about oh, the gospel. So good. It's like, I know every, every moment of every day, now I'm far from as good at this as I want to be. Mm-hmm. I, I wish I was better at this. Uh, but using all of life to preach the gospel to them. So for me, the, it, it, it's, it's a release of anxiety to say, yes, I, I know my youngest hasn't, hasn't professed that yet. I, it, that doesn't really even change what I'm going to be doing tomorrow at all. I'm going to be praying for them. Mm. I'm going to be preaching the gospel to them. That's so good. To, to all of them. And yeah. Uh, so so for, for me, it's, yep. Uh, I'll have uh, <laughs> a phrase. I'm going to be th- obedient. <laughs> I'm, that's all I can do. I'm an ambassador. Mm. Uh, they're not your kids that's what you're, is that what you're saying yeah, yeah, yeah. i am uh, i talked to my kids about this i am god's representative that he sent to them yeah and i'm sorry i fail at that so badly it's, it's literally a conversation i have like i'm meant to be a picture of i'm feeling god some is. real-time conviction here caleb because like mm. now i'm questioning did i pray for my kids harder before salvation than i am after mm. salvation because i would over my kids in this, because I was like, because I talked to a mentor, uh, a pastor that I used to have, and, he, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, how did you know? Because I, I was mm-hmm. just sweating. Yeah, yeah, cause, yeah. And he you was like, be, that's a good thing, by the way. Like feeling a burden. Mm-hmm. Now, th- it goes too far into anxiety, yeah. right? but a burden for your kids. But something I started doing from then, at mm-hmm. night over them, in front of them, mm-hmm. I would be praying, God, save their heart out mm-hmm. loud. Like, take the heart of Asher, take the heart of Emma, mm-hmm. rescue their souls. And you know what that did? Dad, what do you mean? <laughs> Let me have a conversation. Let me. It's exactly what you're talking about. So, but being open. Um, and, and for both of my kids, it came. It was a funny thing too. It came in in strange. What I would call strange moments. It didn't come at VBS or at mm. camp. Uh, mm. For Asher, we were driving home. He asked a question. I stopped the car in the middle of a country road, turned over, and right there. That's amazing. Pray. Yeah, I. I on on like explain all the things you're talking to me for Mm. emma we were in a youth bible study at my house she Mm. comes downstairs because she had been listening at the stairs of what we were saying of course (laughs) because my my emma uh hears all my Uh, emma or my emma yeah your ariel (laughs) my ariel who is very similar to his emma also is comes up to shauna taps her on the shoulder is like mom i want to have a conversation and and shauna was Mm. like oh well we're having no no i i think i want to accept jesus Shauna jumps up, picks up, goes yeah. upstairs. Like 
nothing oh mattered in that moment. You know what I mean? So nothing else mattered. Like, I, but I, I guess I want to have this conversation for a couple of reasons. One, parents be obedient as Caleb. Like, mm. as you know, if, if we're doing the right things and we're having the conversations, then we're going to trust God that he's going to do the yeah. work in the kid, uh, his kid's life. His kid's, his kid's it, life. It, huge, huge paradigm shift there. From he loves them yeah. more than I do. Oh, that seems impossibly hard to believe. Yeah. But and I love the second thing you said. I say second thing, the thing you said a couple of minutes ago about feeling a burden for the lost people. Mm. That's your kids. That's your family. Mm-hmm. But that's mm-hmm. also the people that that are around you. Mm. That's what camp's about. Mm. <laughs> you know, I'm always like, uh, the kids that are getting saved are the kids that are typically not church kids mm. that haven't been around it. Mm. Um, so. What? There's one more thing I, I want to tease out here before we land this conversation, and it's this idea. Well, the the role of baptism and salvation oh, and baptism, yeah. And uh, I have a, a little bit different perspective than I do. Yeah. Th- then because I have a very clear moment when I I know I got saved. Um, but in my own story, I did not, and my parents never pushed this. Um, I wasn't super interested in baptism. Uh, I got baptized at 16 years old, so. You know, 12 years later, 12 years later. But for me, that was the moment when I was taking hold of my faith and owning it. And my parents, my parents talked to me about baptism and I'm not trying to downplay that, but like they didn't push it. Um, and, and for, for me, it was very clear moment that yes, even though I got saved at a very young age, like, am I going to choose to own this as an adult? Yeah. Uh, your children, one both. of the highlights of my life was baptizing both of my kids. At, at young ages, right? Yeah, yeah. So Months after each one of them would have accepted Jesus. Which is, just to be clear, way more the biblical paradigm. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I'm doing something that's not not super biblically clear. Like, But also, this is not, baptism has no eternal significance, but it's not about their eternal placement. Right. Yeah. So it, it's not salvation. Uh, yeah. We describe it very here clear. Let us say church. that again. Say it again for people <laughs> in the back there. Baptism is not salvation. And I think one of the issues I've seen w- with, and you could speak to this with teenagers uh, in your own story. Yeah. There was, you got baptized and uh, there's a tension I have with, as a pastor, baptizing children in general, because while they can maybe repeat what I'm saying, do yeah. they actually know it and understand it and believe it? That's why uh, you don't preach, stop preaching the gospel to your children mm-hmm. because they're going to continue to grow in that. That's also why I don't feel bad for uh, my child accepting Jesus at a very young age. She's going to continue to grow in that. Her yeah, knowledge that's at that time was enough, but it shouldn't stop. And I think for a lot of people, what happens is they have that moment, then they get baptized and they're like, oh, that's, that was it. That that was, I, I got it. I'm I'm yeah. good now. Because I, there's an actual physical thing that you just did. There's something you can check off. That's I why walking this. down the aisle at teen camp matters for a lot of people too. Mm. I I did something. I did something. And there's something to that. Uh, that part of that we keep going back to. Believe in your heart, and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord. I love the the story of Philip and the Ethiopian. Yeah. Uh, he's talking to. He's presenting the gospel. He he runs up on this guy that's uh, this this uh, Egyptian who's in a chariot mm-hmm. uh, and Philip notices you read the Bible and he's like, Hey, do you understand what you're saying or mm-hmm. what you're reading? He's like, no, how can I? I need someone. And so he leads him to the Lord. And then the Ethiopian's like, what's preventing from being baptized right now? Cause out of the outpouring of his heart, he's mm-hmm. like, I got to do something with yep. all this energy. You yeah. know what I mean? So, uh, 
I, and did and and Stephen did. He went and baptized him. Yeah, right then and there. And uh, that's normally the biblical pattern. Philip, not Stephen. Or, sorry, Stephen yeah, dead Steve, in the story Steve, by now. Stephen was yeah, <laughs> already dead for his faith. Uh, but but here's the uh, that typically in the New Testament, it's adults who, when they t- make this profession, were also owning their faith. And for me, there's a tension there with kids. Yeah. Of they're still under authority so much that they don't have. Um, maybe the freedom or whatever, they, they, they don't understand the full weight of taking ownership for their faith. So th- there's some tension there. What You know, what you're talking about, I talk about in youth group a lot, and mm-hmm. it's actually become one of, my, one of my goals in youth ministry. I want to see teenagers go from their parents' faith to owning their own faith because the parents' faith is a, is a normal, natural, biblical thing. Yes. Like, I have the faith of my parents. My, like, this is the natural way of mm-hmm. that God has called us to it. Mm-hmm. But at some point in their life, and this happens 14, 15, 16, mm-hmm. They start feeling like, oh no, no, I don't want to go to church because dad wants to go to church. Exactly. I, I don't want to do quiet time because mom reads the Bible to me. Like, mm. I want this for myself, and that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So you're wanting to use baptism as a a step in that process, which I, yeah, I don't hate. I we, think I'm, we call I'm here. It, yeah, we call it the first it. step of obedience. Yeah, I'm here for um, it. Yeah, and not that your kids. I, I think your kids are obeying, right? Yeah. But um, there's a tension in my own heart of. Uh, don't get, don't give a false confidence. Don't give, uh, <laughs> obedience is, is key evident for a heart that's been transformed. That's so good. Um, well, I'm not sure we're going to resolve this conversation. No. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to have this conversation. If you're looking for that, I'm really sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do solve a lot of the big world problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Come on, idioms. We're doing it together. <laughs> um, so a couple things, like a couple mm-hmm. of you guys have been coming up and saying you're enjoying the podcast. I love that. Let's, let's join, join the, like, let's have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, the reason Caleb and I are doing this is not because we think we're going to be famous is because this is how we grow and learn. Yeah. And we think this is how most people grow and learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just by hearing, but by joining the conversation. So come talk to us, you know, yeah. uh, post, do something like uh, share it with your friends. Um, and I would love to hear your salvation story and what you did as a parent or what you do as a leader. Don't ha- don't stop having conversations. No. All right. Don't be an idiot. We'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.